and welcome. It's time for another Murder She Wrote, as my co-host slowly records. So this one, it's A Dog's Life, and it was shown on the 4th of November 1984. So we start off with some horses frolicking in the field, then we go to the stables, where we see some boots walking, and a gloved hand hands a horse called Sawdust a pill. Now there's a bit of a breakfast do going on. It's for a hunt. Um, yeah, awkward. <laughs> Everyone loves a good hunt. And we're introduced to some of the people here. We see Trish, who's a little bit drunk and flirting with Anton, I believe. And Spencer is her brother who comes over and uh, says, oh, it's a shame Anton, your wife couldn't make it. I mean, we get the the, the, uh, the impression that Trish is a, uh, is a bit of um, a happy girl with a uh, drink and men. And Spencer's a failed businessman. Spencer, who's placed played by Gerald Martin, who, um, well, I remember him from the uh, Fantastic Journey, where he played Vivian. Vivian, was it Vivian? I think so. He had a tuning fork anyway. And also he was in the uh, series War of the Worlds. Now, as um, Spencer is talking to Trish, Echo comes over. Echo is their niece. And uh, and we get the, the full info that she's into heavy metal music and wolfers and tweeters, which not not really heavy metal. You know, you need them if you want to hear music out your stereo, don't you? So I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, how about a toast for later? Anthony, we're awfully sorry your wife couldn't make it, aren't we, Trish? Pay no attention to my brother now that Spencer's unemployed. He can't bear to see anyone having a good time. Matter of fact... <laughs> Trish. Don't be flattered. She says that to all the boys. Oh, Spence, stop it. Are we having a good fight? Echo, why don't you go play with your electronic toys like a good little girl? My little niece here is into electronic music. Tweeters, woofers, heavy metal. Still sounds like cats in heat. And so do you, Aunt Trish. Ladies, please. Please, let's pretend to be civilized, if not for my sake, at least for father's. Come along, Anthony. <laughs> Whatever will she do if the world runs out of married men? Laugh all you like, but your aunt desperately needs treatment. Who needs treatment, dear brother? My astral projectionist puts all these phony psychiatrists to shame. Morgana, try to pretend like you're on the same planet, at least today. But her mother is Morgana, and uh, she's obviously into other things. And she uh, she comes over, and she talks about astral projection and how a astral projectionist is much better than psychiatrists. I'm not sure it's on the same level, but never mind. It's a word. So we get the vibe that she's out of this world slightly. Yeah, Spencer's just lost his uh, job, apparently. But he says to uh, Morgana, oh, it's time you come back down to this planet and live on Earth with the rest of us, type of thing. Yes, uh, as as the hunt breakfast continues, we meet Tom, who's... Uh, who's a buddy of Denton, and Denton is the one hosting this. Now you're thinking, why Jessica's here? Does she love killing foxes? We don't know. 
It's never really discussed. But she is the cousin of Abby. And Abby is like the horse trainer. Um, I would say. But, but her and Denton maybe have a thing. But it's Denton's 80th birthday. And so there's all this all oh, speech, speech. And he goes, where's my dog? Where's, where's Teddy? So he calls Teddy his dog. Then someone announces, two horses. And they all go out to the horses. Now Trish tries to get on a horse and she's obviously drunk. You shouldn't drunk and ride. It's obviously not good. Now as um, Denton brings over three horses. One for Abby, one for Jessica, and one for himself. And now Jessica says she's not much of a rider. Uh, but she says she should take this old, uh, the old uh, grey horse. And he goes, no, that's sawdust, that's my horse. And I think you see where this is going. What was that all about? Round here, some of the real beasts walk on two legs. Jessica, Abby, over here. <laughs> Ladies, I picked out your horses for you. Oh, well, this old grey looks just about my speed. Sawdust, he's too ancient for anyone but me. Hasn't broken out of a trot in years. <laughs> <laughs> Barnes! And, and uh, so so they get... So he, he, there's an intercom in the middle of the field, for some reason, and he presses it and says, the bars open the gates of Langley Manor. So he opens the gates and they all go off on their murdering fox thing and uh, but there's a bugle blow and sawdust suddenly raises up now it's, it's been established that sawdust is a hold horse and he's he only only really trots around he's, he's not really into the running or fast life anymore he's had his time but at the side of the blown horse sawdust loses control and, and goes running off and uh denton tries to control it and there's a jump ahead and he, he says, tally-ho, as he jumps over the hole, but unfortunately he's thrown. And there there we see the police, and they're all round the body. Sheriffs, deputies, all that. Tom is sad. Tom's his friend, who owns six, 600 acres next door or something. Yeah. But uh, I'm not sure about if the rest of the kids are sad. Now, Jessica's suspicious. And she says, so... Oh, why did the horse suddenly bolt like that? Uh, is there maybe a test we can do on the horse to establish whether it's drunk? And the vet who's there says, well, we haven't caught the horse yet. Is it, when, by the time we eventually catch it, you know, it will be tested. Boy had a full life. I don't think he wanted to take that jump. I know he did. He was under doctor's orders to take it easy. Well, Denton was always a wild one, and I guess he just got carried away with the excitement, Ms. Thatcher. He was carried away all right by a runaway horse. Are you the vet? Yes, ma'am. You found the horse yet? He's halfway to the next county by now, but he'll come home when he calms down a bit. Look, I don't want to be a pest about this, but isn't there a test that could be made on the horse? Test? Jessica and Abby saw that horse take off like Seabiscuit coming down the home stretch. Now, that doesn't sound like sawdust. A calm old horse like that doesn't suddenly go wild. Just what are you suggesting? Foul play? Now, then we're back in Abby's room, and Jessica and Abby are talking, and and Jessica says, "Well, I was wrong there, wasn't I? There's no uh, no drugs found on the horse at all. No, no." And Abby goes, "Well, it, it took him a few hours to find the horse, and some drugs that you know, they won't show up after that time." 
We're back at the house with all of the rest of them. All the suspects are there. And, uh, and Morgan's going on about how she saw some tea leaves and it's a bad omen. And, <laughs> and they're waiting for Boswell, who is the uh, lawyer who's in charge of, of, um, Denton's will. I suppose he was Denton's lawyer. And it, apparently he's got some new technology about how the will was going to be presented. And it's on a videotape. Are you thinking that that's quite old? But it's not that old, you know. It's it's a fair chess. It's not Betamax, you know. So, so it's all modern stuff. And uh, <laughs> and then we get Denton. He says, "Well, I have a few words for each of my children." Yes, Spencer. If only you didn't back all the dictators, maybe you'd still have a job. Trish, you're obviously spoiled. Uh, maybe you should try getting a new hobby besides men and drinking. Uh, Morgana, you just live in a fantasy land. Maybe it's time to come back down to this one. And uh, Echo, who is Morgana's daughter, he goes, is there anything under that stylish hairdo of yours? I doubt it. And he goes, oh, I, I know my old fr friend Tom is there. Tom, you always loved my uh, antique shotgun. It's yours. He goes, I've got some st some money for the uh, staff. And a little extra for Barnes, who, who looked after security and the paintings. And he goes, and the rest of the estate, which I estimate to be 15 million, I leave to da, 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 the dog, Teddy. What's that, a movie? No, Trish, this is uh, the latest in Will Technology. Greetings, friends and kinfolk. I went to a lot of trouble putting this little show together, so I hope you all enjoy it. By the way, this is all legal as hell, so don't get any funny ideas. Since I know you're all there, waiting breathlessly, I think I'll prolong the suspense with a parting word to each of you. Spencer. It's too bad they keep blowing up your clients. But I never thought lobbying for dictators a decent job for you. But then, what is? As for you, baby Trish, you were always your mother's spoiled child. I'm glad she can't see you now, guzzling martinis the way you used to suck up root beer, collecting men instead of dolls. Find a nicer hobby, honey. This one's not only unseemly, it's dangerous. Morgana, you're not a bad woman. You've just got no common sense. Come in out of your fantasy world and face your problems, such as that mixed-up daughter of yours. Hello, Echo. Is there something stirring underneath that unique haircut of yours? You'll never know, old man. Well, so much for fond farewells. Now, to business. Boswell's got the usual sound mind claptrap written down someplace. So here's what you all came for. I know my old friend Tom is here. Tomboy... I'm going to miss you. Remember that old shotgun you always liked? Well, it's yours. There's a cash gift for each of the staff. Barnes gets something extra for guarding all the paintings. By the way, those now go to the National Gallery. That's right, children. A fast three million in oils now on the way to Washington. The 
the rest of my estate, built with my brains and my sweat, comes to about 15 million. It takes a sound mind and good judgment to handle that much money. Maybe even a good nature, so that lets out all of you. Therefore, except for a modest family trust, the whole shebang goes to my faithful friend and companion, Teddy. Of all the dirty tricks, damn it, Boswell. I may faint. This is insane. Teddy's a dog. Boswell, we're going to break that will. Oh, no. No, no, I'm afraid you won't break the will. You see, I helped him write it. There's a clause here that if you challenge it, it cuts you out completely. And uh, obviously, the rest of the family's not happy with this. They say, what? What's, what's going on? This is preposterous. It can't be. Well, we'll break this will. And Boswell says, no, no, you can't break it. It's unbreakable. <laughs> My will is unbreakable. <laughs> and he says, if you could test it, that means you're instantly out. That's in the clause. So obviously, they're getting a little bit of income from the estate, but not any millions. Now, Jess phones home to say that she's not coming back to Cabot Cove right away. She's going to stay here and help her cousin, Abby. I was going to say friend, because it's a cousin. I mean, I, I don't know how many relatives she's got. She's got hundreds, apparently. And um, they were outside, and Trish is riding the horse, and the horse isn't really obeying her very well, so she's, she's getting a bit of a whip to it. And uh, Abby saying, "No, no, that's not the way to do it. A, a, just a little pat on the head would would do work just as well." And, and Abby says, "Well, I don't know why we we should just fire you and get rid of you. We don't need you anymore." And uh, <laughs> Abby says, "Well, you're you're not in charge of firing me. That's down to Teddy, the dog, and by association Boswell, the lawyer, <laughs> who, who gets fired or hired. Then suddenly there's a ruckus." And Teddy's gone mad. He's attacking Spencer on one of the horses. And uh, and the vet's looking over him. He says, oh, I, I don't know who... Because he goes, well, Spencer didn't get bit. The horse didn't get bit. So there's no real harm. But but the vet says, look, there's, there's blood on his collar. Uh, just So who did he bite? And just as that, the sheriff turns up with a man with his arm in a bandage. So that that's the dog. That's the dog that attacked me. And this is Potts. It's one of the neighbour, Azrael Potts. So they, they, they take Teddy away. Oh, I think they put him in jail. <laughs> and he goes, oh, there's no, there's no proof that Teddy did this. So the lawyer manages to get Teddy released on good behaviour, I guess. Now, Jess and Abby goes to see Boswell at his rather fancy offices. And Jessica notes, oh, he's, he's done all right out of out of being Denton's lawyer, hasn't he? Now, just as they go in to see him, some another an LA lawyer comes out, and Morgan's there, and they say, "Oh, is she challenging the will?" Yes, but they won't have a leg to stand on. I made sure of that. And uh, the the guy from DC is Gary, and he's known for being out of brake wheels, but he, no, he's not going to break this one. My wheel is strong. Now, just as they go into the office, to, there's a the receptionist says to um, Boswell, he says, oh, there's a, there's a call from your broker. He's on the phone. He says, oh, I'll tell him I'm busy. I'll, I'll, call, I'll call him later. And as they're in the office, they're talking about what the lawyer's going to try and do to break the wheel. And they're saying, well, it's whether or not it was 
sound mind. And she goes, oh, Denton had a, a razor sharp. He was, and they said, no, no, not, not Denton, the dog. The dog might not be a sound mind. But then we get another photo, uh, uh, the reception calls in the interview. I say, it's, it's, it's the broker again. He's, he's really insisting. And so you hear a little conversation one way. And he says, well, no, no, no. oh, right, the check's in the post. And, and then he offhandly says, well, you know what? Don't ever buy investment from suggestions from um, Spencer. He goes, the only good thing is that I didn't put as much money into it as he did. And the check is in the post. And that's where we work out Spencer's in debt. Uh, now, it's, it's, a, it's, it's later on in the evening and it's night time. And we get the security office. And there's uh, Barnes in there, and there's a scratch at the door. He goes, ah, oh, hello, Teddy. Back again, are you? So this is a regular, regular occurrence that Teddy goes in to see him. And he goes, don't worry, you'll be safe in here with me, Teddy. And it, then he noticed there's a car swerving at the gate. He goes, ah, oh, Trish, she's drunk again. She's going to hurt someone or herself one of these days. And she's at the gate, so he opens the gate. She's out there stumbling around and she falls down by the gate. He goes, oh, I better go out and help her get in. So he goes out there. And it's it's dark. It's late at night. We hear a, a, a mockingbird sing. We hear crickets, all that sort of stuff in the night time. Now, Barnes can't see the gate from where he is. So he's walking around. And as he gets towards the gate, the gate closes on Trisha's head. Oh, it's another murder. That's two so far. Then all, obviously, the police, the sheriffs, everyone's around. And someone's dusting for prints in the security office at the gate button. Says someone must have been in there to close it. On Trish. And Morgan's going about, she saw a ghost rise. She saw a sister, Trish, rise from the dead. And and they say, what were you doing looking out at that time? She says, oh, the, the moonlight nourishes my aura. Yeah, I find it as that true as well. Moonlight always nourishes my aura when I need it. And she goes, my bedroom's the only one that overlooks the gate. So I saw the gate and I saw Trish rise. Now there's, there's a bit where they're all in one room and someone comes in to talk to the sheriff and says, yeah, we've got a print. And Spencer goes, uh, well, you should all know this. Whose print did you find? You got a fingerprint? He goes, no, it's not really a fingerprint. It's a poor print. It looks like Teddy did the deed. Then Abby says, it's ridiculous. A dog wouldn't kill, can't be a killer. It can be trained to kill someone. And then they're instant, because she's the horse trainer, they're thinking, oh. So they're all looking at her like, oh, yeah, you did it. <laughs> you trained a dog to kill. Now at the gate, this is where Jessica is. She's not in the room with the others. She's outside by the... And she's talking to a, a deputy. And she's helping him because he's trying to fold up a coat that was Trisha's coat. And, and, of course, Jessica notices, oh, it's split at the seams. That's unusual. It's such, such a new coat. And the deputy says, yeah, my wife would give her her left arm for that coat of this quality. And she goes, oh, let me help you. She goes, you don't mind if I have a poke around, do you? And uh, the deputy's fine with that. Yeah, no, no, you you go you go and look. Then Jessica's talking to Barnes. She goes, so if you left the security room, what happens? He goes, the door locks automatically. No one could get in there. So Teddy was alone in there by himself. 
And she goes, what did you hear? And he goes, for it, there was crickets, I heard a nightingale. But I didn't see anything unusual. That's the only sort of noises I heard. Then we cut to a scene of uh, Abby's in the kitchen. And uh, Jess comes in, because Abby's English. And she goes, ah, oh, just, just what I thought. When there's a crisis, the English always go for the tea. And, and, and we do. So there you go. She's got us. We've got us to rights there. And she goes, oh, I have a cup too. Then Boswell comes in. He says, oh, I'm helping. I'm, I'm on ice duty at the moment. And Abby says, oh, there's an ice bucket on top of that cupboard. So he, he, he gets the little steps out, goes to climb up the cupboard. And then we notice, Jessica notices, oh, you have a nasty grease stain on your trousers. He goes, oh, I got a flat tyre on the way here. I had to get out, change it. That's what, And Jessica says, well, I know some stuff that will get that out. He goes, oh, they're going to the dry cleaners anyway. And she goes, wait, if you uh, had a puncher, how long did that take to change? Oh, about 20 minutes. And you didn't see anyone drive out past you or anything? No. So Abby says, well, the killer must still be here. And they're talking about, Jessica's talking to Abby, how would you train a dog to do this? And she goes, well, you could could be a voice command, a snap of the fingers or, or a dog whistle. And Jessica says, mm, I, and Jessica's got a theory. And Abby marches into the room where all the people are and she says, my cousin Jessica knows how it was done. And Jessica says, wait, wait, hold on. She goes, it's just the theory and I really needed to to the sheriff alone first. But anyway, she says, this is what I think happened. She goes, when the car came in and had grown to a stop, Barnes assumed it was Trish. But what if it wasn't Trish? What if someone else got up? They didn't use the intercom. They didn't speak. And what if Trish was in the car, but unconscious? And so when they fell, they waited a time. Then they switched over. They put Trish down there so she would be killed. And they made off. Cheryl says, oh, it's just guesswork. He's not a, he's not a great believer in Jesse's theory he says oh it's just just work and and just says, well the dog was teddy was trained to press that button at a certain command he goes what and the show goes what what, what would tr- do that he, well, it could be a dog whistle oh we found a dog whistle by the gate and it's abby's dog whistle it has her initials on it because you know all dog whistles should have your initials on them you all thought you could get away with murder. Well, think again, because my cousin has worked it all out. Go on, tell them, Jessica. Abby, I wanted to talk to the sheriff about it privately. Got it all worked out, eh? Let us all in on it. Well, I, I, I only have a theory. Splendid. Do tell us all, Mrs. Fletcher. Well, I... Sheriff, I do think that you and I should discuss it together. I mean, it's just a guess. Mrs. Fletcher, I have little use for theories, private or otherwise. Now, you got an idea. Tell us all about it. Well, I believe that it... It could have happened like this. Now, Trish came home at 2 a.m. Reckless driving made her Mercedes swing wide on the turn and come to a sudden screeching halt. Now, someone got out of the car and pushed the intercom buzzer. Barnes looked into his monitor and saw someone outlined against the headlights, but no one spoke into the intercom. Barnes assumed it was Trish, so opened the gate. Barnes went out to pick her up. The door closed and locked behind him. 
but Teddy was alone in the room. Now, Barnes couldn't see the gate from the drive, but Morgana could from her window. I didn't know what to do. I pounded on Spencer's door, but he didn't answer. I'm a heavy sleeper. You know that. I saw her spirit. I swear. Oh, you saw something, all right. Or rather, someone. The murderer. I don't understand. You saw a coated figure rise up before the gate closed. But who was it? Now, at that time, you had no way of knowing that your sister would die. It was only later that you interpreted what you saw as a ghost. Now, I believe that Trish was still inside the car, that she was either unconscious or, or drunk. I think the killer drove her home, deliberately swerving along the road to make it look like drunk driving. Then the murderer put on her coat. It was a safe disguise. In that light, Barnes could only see the coat, not the face. That's guesswork. Makes sense to me. Trish's new coat was split at the seams. Now, I believe that the killer tore it when he or she put it on quickly. And then the killer put the coat back on Trish. Right. Once Trish was laid back in the path of the gate, it was only a matter of giving the signal to Teddy over the intercom, disappearing before Barnes came into view. And Teddy? The murderer must have trained him to scratch on the door of the security room every night. That same person taught him to press the button when he heard a special sound. Like a whistle? Possibly. And so Abby's in jail with Teddy. Because, you know, he's got them banged to rights. Uh, I'm not sure why they put, they put Teddy in a kennel, but I suppose he's a millionaire dog that gets to jail. Now, Jessica's not at all impressed with the sheriff. She says, she says I don't know what inspired the voters to vote for you. You have a, a limited vision and you're a gossip monger. And he goes, well, this will all come out because we're going to have an inquest on Friday. And Jessica's saying, look, the two deaths aren't related. Denton's death and Trisha's death are two separate murders. Now, Boswell drives and drops Jess off, but it's a mile from the gate. And he says, are you sure you want to be dropped off here? She says, yes, I need to get some exercise. I need a good walk. Okay, so he drives off. And obviously she's looking. She's looking at tyre tracks. She's searching for something, but we don't know what. Now a de deputy pulls up and says, Oh, Mrs Fletcher, can I help you? Have you lost something? And she goes, Ah, maybe you could bring one of them fancy new things your sheriff has. And he goes, What? Uh, a metal detector? Yes, yes. And she goes, What are you looking for? A bike clip? He goes, A bike clip? What's that? I've never heard of such a device. <laughs> she goes, oh, you're, you're not, you'll see it when you hear it. You, you see it when you hear it, yeah, because they make a sound. No, you're, you're, when you find it, you'll know what it is. No, Jessica goes to have a snoop around Potsy's farm. She goes, hmm, I have a feeling about this Potts man. You can see. And there he is, chopping wood, and his bandage is just resting on the, on the gun because <laughs> he's taking it off because he doesn't need it, because he's not really injured. So Jessica sneaks in, grabs the bandage as proof, and she's about to leave, but then Spencer catches her there. And Spencer and Potts were in it together. They were trying to get some money out of the estate. Now Potts is all like, let's kill her and bury her out the back. And Spencer's like, don't be such a hillbilly, man. We're not going to kill anyone. 
and Jessica says, well, you, yeah, I know you're, you're doing wrongdoing, but you're not killers. And it turns out this, this is, Spencer's in money trouble and he was trying to get some money. That's, that's it from working with pots. But she says, I, I know who did do the killing and who had much, who had the most to gain from it. Uh, now we have the inquest and in the inquest, Jessica is, is representing a friend of the court. And she goes, I, I don't mean to take up too much time. I only going to call one witness, Teddy. And she has the gate button there. This I'm, I'm hoping it's a replica. She just didn't rip it out of the console, but she has the gate button. They set up an intercom. And they blow the uh, dog whistle. And obviously, Teddy reacts because... The sound only dogs can hear. Da, da, da. And she goes, "Now, now, deputy, would you blow it out in the? Would you blow it out in the uh, in the hall through the intercom?" And he does that, but Teddy doesn't react. And she says, "Ah, oh, the intercom isn't sense enough to pick it up, so a dog whistle couldn't have been used." And then she goes, "But there was a mockingbird I heard on that night." And when they play the Mockingbird through the intercom, Teddy reacts by pushing the button. And then it turns out, as soon as he's done that, he wants his treat. And who would give him his treat but the person who trained him, which turned out to be Boswell, the lawyer. He's always the lawyer. And just goes, just goes like, aha, he wants his treat, all right. She goes, what you did is you roped in Trish to help you kill Denton by feeding him something to the horse. And she goes, but why? She had nothing to gain by it. Boswell goes, no, she had nothing to gain by it. She wasn't even in the will. He goes, ah, but you've seen the will and you may have led her to believe that she was getting something. And then when she didn't get anything, she was furious. But you'd have planned for this and you knew you had to get rid of Trish. So you staged the whole thing with her being drunk and the driving and the gate just so you could kill her. Then you silently went off into the night on a bike. And that's where the stain on your trousers was from. The chain of the bike. Not from changing a tyre. And he goes, and I can prove you never changed your tyre because your car tracks were even. And she goes, as do we know, if you've got a spare tyre in your trunk, it will be a fresh tread and the treads would be different. Uh, so she's got him banged to right. It seems that by keeping the estate and keeping control of the estate, he was going to make mint. And he had debts. And this is why he arranged to have it all done. To kill Denton, then to kill his accomplished Trish. So obviously he confesses. Because <laughs> they all do. It's only 46 minutes. He's got to confess really. He can't drag it out any longer. And it turns out that Abby's going back to England and Tom will look after Teddy in the estate now. And it turns out that uh, Teddy, that Tom's set up a kennel business and uh, Teddy will be the stud millionaire dog. <laughs> that's the end of this one. That's irrelevant, immaterial and just plain inane. Is it, Mr Boswell? You had access to Teddy. And you had a pressing need for money. I wouldn't go too far, Mrs. Fletcher. 
Oh, but you did go too far when you persuaded Trish to dope her father's horse. Why did she do it? For the millions that she couldn't wait to inherit? But she didn't get anything in the will. Oh, but I suspect she was told that she would by the one person who had seen the will. Imagine her surprise when she saw that videotape. <laughs> you have a remarkable imagination. Trish must have been furious. <laughs> Perhaps even made threats. But you'd planned for that eventuality. A quiet meeting that night, a few drinks and promises, a blow on the head. Teddy was ready. You trained him in advance. Please, 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 please. Now, my, my friends and neighbors know me better than that. They do not believe one word of this poppycock. Do you own a bicycle? Yes, I do. So do lots of other people. Do you ever ride out by the Langley Manor? Sometimes. What about the night that Trish died? No. Then why was this bicycle clip picked up half a mile from the manor gate? <laughs> that bicycle clip could belong to anybody. Now, Mr. Coroner, how long are we going to entertain this uh, comedy routine? Till I'm satisfied, Mr. Boswell. Well, Mrs. Fletcher? Trisha's killer hid his bicycle along the road earlier in the evening. It would have been a quiet, perfect means of leaving the scene if he hadn't lost his bicycle clip. Without this clip, he got that characteristic greasy mark on his trouser from the chain. The mark I saw on your cuff the night of the murder. I told you I got that mark changing a tire. Not true. Two days ago, I saw your tire tracks, and all of your tires were evenly worn. So? Well, if your car is like most people's, the spare's never been out of the trunk. It would have shown deep new tread. Not necessarily. Why don't we look in the trunk of your car? Why don't we look in your closet for your greasy trousers? Will, are you still there? Yes, ma'am. Go ahead, please. feed him his treat just like you did when you trained him to help you to murder Trish Yeah, obviously, I thought it was quite amusing that the, the dog was the killer in this one because the dog was the killer though it was trained to be the killer not the first time but the second time and it's a dog's life. I mean, it reminds me of a Sherlock Holmes venture where the monkey did it. But <laughs> we'll go to that. So, yeah, th this is a fairly good one. I think this is better than last week's one, that's for sure. Or last time's one. But, well, and then the, I think this is episode four, maybe. Uh, I think if you look in the running order, it is episode four. It's a dog's life. And I thought this one was quite good. There was a lot going on. Jessica's not quite Jessica in this one, I believe. I mean, she puts it all together. But there's some bits where you're thinking, oh, that's a bit odd. <laughs> but overall, yeah, this, this is quite a good one. I'm, I'm going to give this one, uh, I think, probably a 7 out of 10. It's good. And uh, on to the next one, hopefully next time. And hopefully the podcast will be resumed back in, I think it's going to be January now. That's all for now. Bye-bye. Okay, just an additional thing I'd like to mention is that... um. 
I did assume that it was Spencer who was uh, the murderer. But it turns out he was just, had the money troubles, but he just wanted some money, really. Now, Gerald Martin, who plays Spencer, I, I, I like him as an actor, but in this one, he's doing a, a really strange voice. I suppose it's the voice of the upper echelons of society, but he speaks a bit like this, and all the way through, he says things in this sort of voice, and uh, I found it a little, a little off-putting. <laughs> but I suppose uh, he, he was trying to get into the character as an actor. Uh, but anyway, yeah. <laughs> That's just saying I thought about it. It doesn't change the way I look at the episode. I still enjoyed it. Uh, but it did take me out a little bit when he was on screen. Because um, I know I know he's a good actor and he can do... He, he's very good at acting as, as the, the common man, the normal person. And this one... Uh, yeah. <laughs> he wasn't doing that. But, uh, oh, well, yeah. That's just, just something I was thinking about. Um... Yes, that was just yeah, that was just on my mind, and I thought well, I wanted to add that as a as just more faraway comment. Until next time. Okay.